Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tipper and Kim. Today, we were going to be talking about the Supreme Court and Supreme Court cases. So what we're going to do is give a brief rundown of the Supreme Court, just to refresh your memories. And then we're going to be talking about just a few of the cases that stood out to us over the test of time. Yeah, so the Supreme Court was defined in the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and in the uh, Federalist Papers, they kind of talk about what the intent and whatever is behind the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was basically established to decide what the rule of law is. Right, just to be the highest court in the land. It was not uncommon in English law to have higher courts above and so this wasn't like a brand new thing but the yeah the structure of it was different Mm -hmm. uh, what england had going in Mm -hmm. fact like they reference in one of the first ones that i'll talk about they had referenced some of uh i think his name was like blackburn or something but Uh one of the english uh high judges or something but they're basically saying uh this is a quote from the federalist paper Uh, 78, where they talk about it, uh, the Supreme Court. They said that it's far more rational to suppose that the courts were designed to be an intermediate body between the people and the legislature in order, among other things, to keep the latter within the limits assigned to their authority. So it's supposed Mm. to keep the, uh, you know, legislature from overstepping their bounds. Right. Now, did they have a a Supreme Court of sorts under the Federalist Papers? Because... I didn't even I didn't even look that up. I only so looked after the Constitution. So in the Federalist Papers, they talk about Supreme Court, and the Federalist Papers were there to talk, you know, to make an argument for accepting the Constitution. And the Constitution has a section about the Supreme Court. I mean, before, like during the Federalist Paper time. Oh, so before under the, the Articles Con- of Confederation. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't think so. Because I, I, I didn't suspect look that up. just based on I didn't look it up either, but just based off of what they had going at the time, I suspect that it was every state for itself. Uh, That would make a lot more sense. Because the Constitution was ratified in 1788, um, but they didn't even have their first congressional meeting until 1789. Yeah, and it was in 1789 that they passed the Judiciary Act Mm -hmm. of 1789, where they went and actually defined some of this stuff, where they defined what the courts were. And And they did that pretty fast, because they met first in March, and if it took until the next year to even get together, they had the Judiciary Act passed in September. Yeah, I think September. it was one of the first things that they worked on was getting that Judiciary Act up and going. And when they first established it, it was uh, it had a chief justice and five associate yeah. justices mm-hmm. is what the original Supreme Court right. was. And the weird thing about the original Supreme Court was these judges were also judges on what were district courts and they had to travel around and they had to attend these district courts well they've always split them up they split them up into 13 district courts because i believe it was probably by state yeah for the most part it was just pretty much by state Mm -hmm. and so they um they had three district courts at the time, so they had kind of a northern, southern, and central sort of thing. Uh, but because that meant that these judges would have to go travel 
they spent I don't know how much time. I wish I would look. There that was up, a but season. They had to travel around a season of of being a judge. So it was probably during yeah. during the season. And I know that when they were being Supreme Court justices, it was between October and February. Yeah. So they probably traveled around when the weather was better, and then they hunkered down for to be a Supreme Court justice. Well, one of the things that I that thought time. was interesting was John Jay, who wrote some of the Federalist Papers. He was the first Supreme Court justice, and, and he quit. Or he was the first oh. chief justice. He quit to become like governor of New York and they tried to get him back and he's like I don't want to do that cuz I, I think it was the travel. He didn't yeah. like the traveling. His wife probably nagged him. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> and, and they had to travel for a long time. Like that didn't really it went away by law I think in like the 1890s or maybe a little bit before with jurisdictional but people issues. People quit doing it so much in like the 1840s, but for however many years. Yeah, that's a long they time. Just had to so do it. that was just mm-hmm. part of the job. It would make it less prestigious feeling i imagine when you have to travel so much yeah and and then several times the number of supreme court justices changed yes. they changed it often because they would have like deadlock votes if it was even and so they change it to a certain thing and then as was just threatened when biden became president they want to add their numbers so they can have more influence and that has happened in the past well, so the last fluctuated. one was in 1869, and that's mm-hmm. when they set it to nine. And before that, some of the ones that they did, were, it was based on the number of, like, other circuit courts or district courts mm-hmm. that were out there. And based on the number of those, they would add more Another judges. Judge. So when they actually set it to nine, before that it was actually at ten was how many there were supposed mm-hmm. to be. But they were missing some and couldn't fill the position so I think they only had eight when they well and I do think they try very hard not to be even because they they ran into problems because then in theory you always have a majority on any sort of yes and I mean a a judge can excuse himself from a case for a particular reason so they have had occasional deadlock votes but um, it really helps not have that as often yeah, I thought it was, I, I I don't know why I thought this was interesting, but I wrote, wrote down this, the oath that they have to swear when they go in. But it basically says, you know, according to the best of my abilities and understanding, agreeably to the Constitution is how they're supposed to administer justice, is agreeably to the Constitution, which they later changed to under the Constitution or something. But hmm. But I thought that was interesting that they all have to swear to follow and and to do equal right to the poor and to the rich is also what it is in there. Ah, uh, that must be why they're having such a hard time with Thomas and his <laughs> new stuff coming out. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of that stuff. I don't know what to <laughs> make of it because part of me just thinks that they're just making attacks on him because of his stance on mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, he has this this rich friend who buys him lots of things and takes them on vacations and sends and his kids to school. Sends apparently. his kids to fancy schools, and so it's weird. It is pretty weird. It, he hasn't been involved in any cases, so this friend has been like, yeah, giving Thomas tons of stuff, and Thomas has just been like, okay. 
but, but I don't know what to make of it. I don't either. One of the I don't know that they bring up it. in the Federalist Papers, too, is the reason that they want these Supreme Court justices to serve essentially for life, yep. or for life is so that they're not going to be influenced. They don't have to run again. Yeah. They're not running for anything. So in theory, there's no... You know, there's no reason for them to pander to anybody or to mm-hmm. take money to make a decision because they're free from ever having to. They have tenure. There's no reason that they would have to change their uh, opinions to to get reelected or to stay in office. They're there mm-hmm. forever. So it. Well, and I can't. I mean, I I only know so much about it, but I can't. I can't quite. First off, if I had a very wealthy friend who wanted to do all these things for me, I mean, I'd be like, thanks, wealthy friend. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was kind of thinking is I thought, If you all can right. find a reason that this man who is paying for all these things has influenced him to change his opinion in some way, but he's been, as as I have down in my later notes, he's been consistent the yeah. entire time that he has been in office, and he is the most conservative justice on that court i like him but he ha- he's a pretty cranky person it seems like for the most part but... i don't know though i will talk about when <laughs> i listened to the, one of the cases and he was in it and he's talking and oh my gosh he's just trying to get the lawyer to say what he needed him to say but he was, <laughs> so he's being so nice it was like trying to coax a little kid but I, I'll I'll get him no more of that later. So he didn't. But I believe he's cranky, and and he and uh, I um, think he's cranky about certain things in particular. So but I, I also saw him, <laughs> he was talking. They all have like I don't know what remember what the term is, but essentially like AIDS. So oh yes. they all have like three mm-hmm. AIDS or something that that help them out, and they can kind of and it's know, a big deal to do be. some research, mm-hmm. do whatever. But I saw a video where he's talking to him, and he was like the nicest guy, and he's doing his best to help these kids because these are mostly kids who are trying to get into yeah. the profession seriously, and he's doing a really good job of helping these people out. And but on other things, I think he gets pretty. But then, but I think that's that's definitely my personality, but. I, you know, you look at Ginsburg. Ginsburg was a mean old prude, yeah. and she was a cranky butt, but they got along really well. They were good yeah. friends. <clears throat> and they <laughs> had, like, totally different opinions yes. on so many things. She was on the But other. they were very friendly uh-huh. to each other. And I do think that there is a lot of that. And I think a lot of his, um, he he's really angry about a lot of, like, racial things because he does yes. feel... Like he, in particular, was judged for for his race, and that people have uh, said, and they do say a lot of things about him, which is what my cases are. That's that's what we're going to talk about in my cases. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple. <clears throat> um, I think we have to start with that one. Okay, so the first sure. one. This is because one of the this, first ones. Mm-hmm. You know that we're. It's probably not one of the first cases ever, but this one was in 1803. Which, it it wasn't, so, they had several cases that very same year that they yeah. started. So it, was, it wasn't the first, but the reason Marbury versus Madison is one of the key pinnacle cases is because it changed and gave power to the Supreme Court. Yeah, it sets a precedence mm-hmm. where essentially they rule that Congress did something wrong mm-hmm. and that, that what Congress passed wasn't valid. And it's really weird because 
that that's not what I was expecting when I went in. So first off, let me explain the case and what yeah. it is because it's, it's stupid really case. kind of bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> so in Marbury versus Madison, Marbury was uh, his name was William Marbury, and he was a judge that was appointed by John Adams right before John Adams Leaves was office. no longer president. So, right. This is a very common theme. And that's why it has the nickname of Midnight Judges. Yeah, they call them the Because they put judges. him in before they so get out like of office. 19 days before he's to leave office, <laughs> mm-hmm. he passes something that adds a, a bunch of new courts and a bunch of new judges. And, of course, he puts all his Federalist you know, judges in place. The weird thing, so this was like two days. The judges were appointed like two days before he leaves office. And... The Secretary of State is supposed to go out and give them what they refer to as their commissions, which I assume mm-hmm. is just the paper that says, hey, you got the job sort of thing. They, they, they put it in a frame and they stick it in the wall behind yeah. them. So it's just all kidding. been signed and sealed. <laughs> all this stuff is signed and sealed. Certificate of authenticity. And they give it mm-hmm. to the Secretary of State to deliver, and the Secretary of State doesn't deliver it in time to a couple of these judges, and one of them is Marbury. So then Thomas Jefferson comes in, and he tells his Secretary of State, James Madison, don't deliver it. Like, don't deliver it. We're not going to appoint these guys as judges. So it was signed and sealed under Adams, and then two days later Jefferson says, nope, you know, don't, don't deliver it. So one of the weird things is that the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court for this case, his name was John Marshall, he was the Secretary of State under John Adams. He was the one who was supposed to deliver oh, the no. commissions to the guy. <laughs> but and now he's playing the or, or now he you know he's not playing. He is the chief justice over Oh no. The the Do you think he did decision it on purpose? Do you think he did it on purpose? I don't think that it was on purpose. I think he just didn't have time. Like they tried to deliver him. They only had two days. He didn't get it done because I think he had to get like sixteen or nineteen uh, of these out. No, I, it was sixteen judges. Mm-hmm. So he's got sixteen of these to deliver, and he doesn't get a few of them. And Marbury decides to take it to court. So it goes to court, and it, it's really interesting because it beginning of the case they go through and they say all right this is what we need to decide on in the case and he says all right does the applicant you know does he have a right to the commission he demands if he has a right and that right has been violated do the laws of his of his country afford him a remedy Mm -hmm. and then the third question that he says that they have to answer is if they do afford him a remedy is it a mandamus issuing from this court which what mandamus that, is it mandamus uh mandamus mandamus i'm not sure but uh-huh. what it is is essentially the court ordering somebody you have to do this and they can do that to um what they call you know lesser positions is what it kind of refers to which is kind of a weird thing <laughs> so they can give it to like lesser courts or to people and just say hey this is the ruling you have to follow the ruling so they go through, and it's a long judgment, and he brings up a lot of different things, and it's really interesting because 
he answers some of the questions. Does the applicant have a right to the commission he demands? And he says, yes, he does. And the argument that he says is this was already signed and sealed by the president, and it just wasn't delivered. But in act, it's already done. Just because it wasn't delivered, like if, if he had done it and it put it in the mail and it got lost in the mail, you'd say, well, it still counts. This is the same sort of thing. He's saying it still counts. Then he answers the second question. Well, if he has a right and that right has been violated, do the laws of his country afford him a remedy? And he basically goes and says, uh, it is a general and indisputable rule that where there is a legal right, there is also a legal remedy by suit or action at law whenever that right is invaded. He's saying if, if you can't enforce the law, then essentially the laws are kind of pointless. Amen. Amen. So that, <laughs> he's saying, yeah, you have to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But then the weird one is on the third one, if they do afford them a, uh, a remedy, you know, can this court solve the problem? And here's where it gets weird because, you know, I didn't know any of this going in. I was like, all right, let me look for some famous Supreme Court cases. So I'm waiting for him to answer this question, and he never answers this question. The, mm. He brings up a bunch of different things, and he talks about, like, presidential power and saying, and he, you know, here's one of the things that he says is, by the Constitution of the United States, the president is invested with certain important political powers in the exercise of which he is to use his own discretion and is accountable only to his country in his political character and to his own conscience. Well, he's specifically referring to the fact that the next president didn't do this. That's what he's referring to. Right, but he's and, saying... And a writ of Manimus is saying it's when you the government... Says you have to do ha this. No, the government official is the one who has to do it. Like, they're specifically talking about government... The government has to do it. And right, so it, he's, he's saying it was the job of the president to fulfill this. So right. that's what he's saying. But what he's saying is, can I make the president do this? Oh, Because uh -huh. that's the question that needs to be answered. Is right. Thomas Jefferson is saying to just James Madison, very don't do it. <laughs> and, you know, the, yes. and John Adams, who was the president, said to do it current president says don't do it and he's saying do i have the power and he's saying he kind of says no i you know like how do you make the president do it because one of the things they talk about in the federalist papers is the entire power of the judicial branch of the government the power is backed by the by the president essentially by the departments of justice and whatever if you don't have those you don't really have any power so your power of the court is backed by the executive branch. Well, that's how they're all supposed to be. That's why it's called a balance of powers because each right. one of them is supposed to make like But here's the big hold question up is the can other he one? <laughs> make the president do something? And that's the question that doesn't really get answered. Because what ends up happening is it goes down to a technicality and the thing kind of gets thrown out of court. Because when they wrote the Judiciary Act of 1789, the wording says the Supreme Court shall also have appellate, appellate. appellate mm -hmm. jurisdiction. And that's appeal jurisdiction. And there's also something called original jurisdiction. The Constitution says the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. 
the Judiciary Act says it has appellate jurisdiction. Appellate. Appellate jurisdiction. I'm glad it's finally you that can't <laughs> say a word. If you guys, you guys don't know this because I make him delete it. I can't say the words. It's always me. So this makes me happy, even though I don't know that it should. So it basically comes down to this technicality where he says that the Judiciary Act that was passed by the legislature is invalid because it violates the, the wording of the Constitution. So that what makes this case important is that he says, oh, the Constitution nullifies what you passed. So you'll find this in absolutely every case. This is why the legal system is so messy is because you will find that they will find the workaround because there is a workaround in almost every single instance. Yeah. And they will use that workaround so that they don't set a precedent that they can't go back on. That's actually one of the things that I'll talk about in my first case. But they will like be like, whoop, <laughs> they'll go around it. And so they're like, no, 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 this is this is the outcome and this should be the outcome. You wanted to take this straight road, but we're going to we're going to swirl around to get there yeah. because once you are so blunt in the way that you say something, that becomes practically as law. So when we have a court system where previous court cases, they matter huge. They and matter. They're precedent. The, yeah, they're not. Mm-hmm. They, they you, can't, can, you can violate can't, it or you can change. It can eventually change. There's a lot of these cases that eventually get overturned. And, and I have examples of mm-hmm. that if we get to it but but this is this is kind of the basis is is they say i mean it's not like they're making up their own laws and that's another reason why they're trying to be a little bit yeah roundabout in the way that they say it because they don't want to be like oh we made laws they know they're not supposed to make laws like that is not Uh their job their job is to make the rulings on whether or not so if they go around this and they still get to the point where they're like oh well I have said in this statement, because now his statement about how the president needs to have this information and needs to act in accordance to a certain way, now that part is precedent. Yeah. Which means anybody that has a case from then on that deals with the president can refer back to that. So the but verbiage they the use is actually really important. The weird thing in this one is they do basically say that the president is not accountable to anybody but the voters what they say in this route but he's in that sentence in that sentence he says that no in that <laughs> sentence he says very specifically he is accountable mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, wait it says right here to the voters in his own he is accountable only to his country in, in his, his politi- political character, character. And his own conscience mm-hmm. so it very specifically that, that says but they're only they're scolding the him right there they are scolding uh-huh. him because they even go on to say, you know, the the law, essentially, this was already signed by the president mm-hmm. and put out. This is what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But they don't say that they can tell him to do that. They specifically avoid doing that and then go out on the technicality of, oh, they, your they, wording was they wrong. They shame shamed his name. They shamed him. Mm-hmm. They very much shamed him. <laughs> but the, in, mm-hmm. in theory, the winner of this case was Madison. Because mm-hmm. they essentially threw it out saying that the wording. So the Thomas Jefferson side of we don't have to give it to him won. 
So they, they did shame him and say, look, you know, you're essentially violating what the spirit the of the law is. The, mm-hmm. You know, the previous president gave these guys power, and they are there for life. They're judges for life, and they were already given the power. You can't take it away. So, but they ended up, you know, Marbury didn't become a judge because of the, essentially the technicality got, they got thrown out. One of the things that I read said that really a lot of people thought that this case at the time wasn't important because Marbury didn't even really want to be a judge. Like it was a couple years later, he was already doing something else. And so the case was important, but it wasn't important to Marbury that he got the job. Like he didn't really care whether or not he became the judge. We cared enough to bring suit. Well, he brought the suit, mm-hmm. but I remember the the suit was probably brought back in 1801 uh, when he uh, when this first happened, right. and it just takes however long to get to the Supreme Court. Forever. So this it, it was only two years in this instance, which you know it, that's probably really fast in today's terms. Mm-hmm. But two years, he'd already moved on, and the thing that I read said, yeah, it wasn't important to him anymore it was really more a matter of figuring out what the precedence was but one of the quotes that they take from you know this is they mention the constitution is either a superior paramount law unchangeable by ordinary means or it is on level with ordinary legislative acts and like other acts is alterable when the legislature shall please So he says, look, either we have to hold this Constitution as meaning something or we have to realize that it's just going to change, you know, whenever anybody wants to. And isn't this fascinating that this is happening so soon after it's made? Like, that they're having this discussion here already when they're like, oh, either it means something or it ebbs and flows like every city law system and every state legal system. And they they specifically do say, too, that... uh, if you do say that it's changeable, then written constitutions are absurd attempts on the part of the people to limit power because they can just change it whenever yep. they want. And really, you can change the constitution right. currently. It, it just does takes take a lot. lot so it's effort. not the same as putting you know, a, a normal law through. But, but it would be like you know, when the president, whichever president in recent history has come in, they just sign... A bunch of orders, orders. <laughs> and they change like a zillion things, yeah. and that would and they be how our that they have system the right and the power to do that. But the other side, when they do it, is oh, violating. Man. Like it, it, it was amuses so me to no funny end to watch them fight over. Mm-hmm. They watched Trump do it. Trump they did a bunch. Trump do it, and they're like, and "Oh they my gosh, so this is crazy!" For he's, years, he's violating the. And then they get and in, Biden do the in. exact same thing. He and did they, more. He yeah. did more executive orders than Trump, and I was like, I feel like I'm being, like, Yeah, and I, I honestly <laughs> am at the point where I think they all know they're lying. Like, yes. everybody knows. They just want everybody to be lying. mad. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. But, yeah, the the last quote, and this is kind of the, this is what the whole case boils down to is it says it is explicitly the province and duty of the judicial department to say what the law is right this is judicial review they get Mm -hmm. to go to congress and say you guys are wrong you don't get to pass that law that's essentially Mm -hmm. what this case boiled down to which is an extra power that they have and it's 
it's worked really well thus far. It's a good, it's, it turned out to be good. And they'll teach this case to you in any political science, in any yeah. law class. Like, this is. It was on, like, learn. every list uh, that I saw mm-hmm. of, like, influential and important cases. Mm-hmm. Yep. So your cases, I think, are all before mine. So do you want to do your other case, and then I'll do mine? So my problem is I've got several that I could go through. Oh, well, that, then let's not go in order. Here I yeah, come. Yeah, let's just go ahead. And... <laughs> we're going to bust out of order, and we're going to do my first case, which is Korematsu versus the United States in 1944. So this actually had to do with um, the internment camp. Japanese internment camps and it was really kind of a lot of these cases are interesting roads to go down because there's a lot of a lot of details but um, I'll give you a a brief background so the United States had just entered into World War II because there had been the attack on Pearl Harbor and um, the attack on Pearl Harbor caused a lot of fear from the government about Japanese aliens and Japanese American citizens. So it turned into and like this it was it was only 10 weeks after where President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066 and it was February 19th 1942 he signs this executive order and it sets into motion the mass transportation and relocation of 120,000 Japanese people. Now, you can find all this information just about anywhere, but I got my information from the U.S. Courts webpage. But they had different camps all over um, Washington State, Idaho, Utah, Arizona, and then they had a couple in the South um, as well. But they... What happened, and this is just, this is fascinating. So I'm just going to give the brief background because this isn't about the case. This is just about the time to understand what was going on. The The executive order was signed in February 1942. And at first it was fairly voluntary. Like, they're like, hey, you guys, we'd like you to come into these internment camps. And I don't know what happened, but for some reason, not a lot of people went. I actually am kind of astonished any people went. Because they had to leave their homes, they had to leave their businesses, they had to leave their jobs, like they just had to up and leave to these places. Um, so in on April 1st, Tiffer, they say, hey, you have until April 2nd to be out of your house. Whoa. So I so, know. And, um, and I just thought, it's April Fool's Day. Like you can't, yeah. like how do you do gotcha. this? And so I don't... So what happened is on April 1st, you've got to go, but you have to be gone by the, by the, um, by the next day, the next, it might've been the seventh, but, but it was whatever it was, you had to surrender. I, it was the seventh because it was one year after Pearl Harbor and that was Pearl Harbor. And, um, so they had to go to all these different camps and there's this one guy. And his name is Korematsu. And he's like, nah. <laughs> he's 23 years old. So it was anything along the West Coast, not even the full state, 
just along the West Coast, kind of halfway through all of those Western states. And then for some odd reason, it was in Southern Arizona. Because I think they're worried people would come in and come up from from Mexico. Um, and so all, they were all, they all had to leave Southern Arizona as well. And because they're so afraid that they were going to do something. have like, espionage yeah. or, or something. Sabotage. Yeah. And, and w- I think they were reeling from the kamikaze style attack. So I, I don't know if they were afraid of like suicide bomber type situation, but they were very afraid. So um, in May of 1942, the FBI arrests Korematsu. And he even had, like, plastic surgery to sort of make his eyes less of a Japanese typical shape. And he said that he was, like, <laughs> I I don't even know what what he had said. He was part Spanish or something. Like, whatever it was, he was lying to everybody so he didn't have to leave. And they find him anyway, and he had the ACLU represent him and take his case to challenge the constitutionality of the order. So he goes to the Court of Appeals, and he agreed that there had been a lot of, I mean, the court, okay, let me just skip ahead. Turns out, 1944, a divided 6-3 decision was brought down by the Supreme Court that said the detention was a military necessity and it was not based on race. It's kind of fascinating. Not based on race. Not based on race, but if you're Japanese people. Japanese people <laughs> but, but not based on race. In 1983, they open it back up, right? And they introduce new evidence and they talk about... Um, the government misconduct and how people were treated and what do you think the outcome was so uh, what i don't know is like what the underlying question you know was it constitutionally legal is that the the question to to have issued this order i would say that the outcome would be that no it was not constitutionally legal it was upheld as constitutionally legal really yep they had said that in times of war you are allowed to have, for public pressing necessity, justify the existence of restriction, racial antagonism. Oh, may sometimes justify the existence of such restrictions. So they're saying that it was because they were Japanese and they could do that because they were at war with Japan. And this also, I read a really fascinating article that was ridiculously long so I only skimmed after the first few pages it was like 40 pages and I just couldn't do it but um it talked about how this was kind of the logic after 9-11 when they were doing the racial profiling everyone's like you're racial profiling you know and they're like well we get to like and I just thought that was really fascinating because you know people were really angry and they called it you know a racist act And honestly, like, I don't know how to think about it because I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want someone to round me up and put me in a camp for five years because my ancestors. Yeah, because it's not based on your actions. It's based on somebody else's actions. Uh And it's one of those things. I don't think it would fly today at all. 
And yet it did in 9-11, which wasn't terribly, it's like 20 years ago, 22. But I, it does surprise me. But what I think happened is I, I mean, they excused him. Korematsu was, was pardoned during this time, but they did not change the fact that they could do this if they needed to. And I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, we don't want to shut the door just in case something weird happens. Yeah. Or if it was like, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's not really, I don't recall it anyway, being mentioned like in the constitution or anything, but like when you're at war, I think people think, yeah, things are different, you know? Yeah. You don't treat things the same when you're at war as when you're not at war. And I can kind of see that argument, but I I am one of those people that really does, like, I would prefer to be judged off of my actions rather than what, what anybody who looks like me, what yes. their actions are. So I, I totally mm-hmm. get why people don't like this, but at the same time, when you bring up, like, the 9-11 sort of thing, you say, all right, so if you're trying to fight terrorism. And they walked into your airport and what, used your airport yeah, as... Your airplane. You can make whatever what do you do? argument you want, but your best chance of catching a terrorist is to profile. Mm-hmm. Like statistically, that would be your best chance. So, I, like, I can understand the argument. I just, it, it's a that's a tough one to swallow. It is. It's really weird. But one thing I, because I went looking at the some of the museums that they have, some of the historical site museums. Yeah. And they had permission to leave. Like, they just had to request leaving. They It was just like they couldn't be there. They needed a place to go, so they took them to these places. And they had to leave. But they could have gone anywhere except in those spots that were listed as as a red but, zone. But is it like you, you can go to the mall, but you have to come back here? Or it's is like it you can like... go to college. You can go get a job. You can go somewhere else. But can you live somewhere else? Yeah. So you can. These internment camps were just for the red stripe area. And I had thought everyone was just hating Japanese people and sent them to these camps because they're angry at them, which it does feel a little bit like that was the case. But it was only in the red zone, and it was it has it outlined. And so, if you wanted, you could have, if you could have sold your home, which they didn't give them much time after a certain point, and they didn't tell them how long. Yeah. So they also didn't I mean, know how long they were going to be there. Thing, I mean, they don't know how long the war is going to be. So no. Yeah. And another unfair thing that happened is these people lost their homes because they could they didn't pay their taxes because yeah. they're living in these internment camps, and. Honestly, I think a lot of them were just trying to, you know, wait it out. And I, just I suspect sweep that a lot of them home. were really concerned that if they didn't, you know, participate, and they didn't, you know, voluntarily. Like, I think the people who voluntarily came in were concerned that if you don't do this voluntarily, yeah. it's not going to be a, a choice in a minute. Uh-huh. Which it, it wasn't. And, and a lot of them, I think, are also trying to show, like, hey, we're good citizens. You yes. know, we're not. We're not the bad that, guys. You know, we're side. the good we're, guys. We're Americans. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's a tough thing because it, it always makes me sad with, with those sort of things because I do think, you know, I, I would much rather have it be I'm an American, you know, pro-America pro sort of thing. Race doesn't matter mm-hmm. than have everybody break into their tribes. And yes. I, I just think having the one big America tribe is better than having 
you know, 20 smaller tribes that fight each other. This brought me to a really fascinating realization that, you know, America has a ton of racial issues because we have a ton of races. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was thinking of Russia and I'm like, you can't, you can't hide as something else in Russia as easy because Russia is predominantly massively white. Yeah. And then you go to Japan and you can't hide there as an American, oh, oh, whoops, <laughs> as a white American in the 40s um, because you're going to have to yeah, delete you, that. You'll get, you'll be <laughs> I can't say visible. that anymore. <laughs> because, but you can't, people will know you, but yeah. also because there's not a lot of languages spoken there. And, and I said that because I watched a YouTube video of an American who went over there and she actually spoke Japanese but they're like oh you're American you know and she's like you know she speaks you just can't hide there because they have a very individual like a mono- what is the word I'm trying to say I'm saying monogamous and that's the wrong word yeah. and, and I was thinking monotonous and that's also wrong <laughs> My, let's just say all the wrong things right now that'll be good <laughs> but homogeneous homogenous 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 there we go. Well, right? No. That's, that's Homogenous the... means it's blended together. I Let's delete all but of But anyway, <laughs> people know what we're talking about. People know. We don't people know. People know I'm not getting it right. <laughs> anyway, so it just brought up really interesting things where it's like, oh, like there really still are, are, the, are the divisions, are the tribes. Yeah. And, and I, I bet in the 40s it was even more so. But I just think that's fascinating to think of just how quote unquote blended we are here in America even though we're having our issues yeah and I'm not gonna I, I want to talk about some other ones I was going to talk about Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education sure and, those are big ones and those are big ones and one of the things that I thought was interesting about that is that without any change of of laws there was a change of court opinion so Plessy versus Ferguson basically mm. said that segregation is fine and brown versus board of education said no segregation is not okay so the 14th amendment says everybody should be you know equal protection under the law plessy versus ferguson says okay well if you provide equal services a school which they specifically mentioned in plessy versus ferguson schools yes they said you know it it was different that one was about like train compartments um, but the idea was if you provide equal separate but equal yeah if, mm-hmm. if you have a school if you have you know a train and you have two train cars for white people and two train cars for black people then you're equal you know they're separate but equal and brown versus the board of education just said yeah that's not really the case you know that it's not really so I, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time on that because I would rather talk about some of the other ones, but I thought those were... They are, and they're a critical part of, you know, the development of, of the judicial system and the changes that can happen over time. Yeah. And it's also a good historical thing to remember. Yep, and it points out on that racial sort of thing, like things were way different back, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way things are now, things are way different. It's so interesting because, you know, the generation of our parents, you know, it was it was completely a different viewpoint than our generation because they'd already d- 
dealt with a lot of these things. And then by the time we come around, it's, it's not as much of a thing. And so it's really interesting that now there's a generation behind us that are dealing with completely different situations. It's yeah, just there's weird. some weird stuff that I don't understand. And, and even some of the racial things, like now there are like pro-segregationists again on oh, both sides. And I think fascinating. You know, that this was a big fight to get away mm-hmm. from this, and now people are fighting to go back to segregation, and I just can't understand it. But Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah, so the there's two related ones that I wanted to talk about that uh, the first one was in 1928. It was called Olmstead versus the United States. And Olmstead was a, uh, essentially a bootlegger. He was selling alcohol in Washington State during the time of Prohibition. He was getting it from Canada. And he had a business set up and people would call and make orders and he'd deliver them you know, alcohol. And they, according to the court case, he was delivering 200 cases of liquor a day. So the government wiretapped his phone. And they did that out kind of on the street level. So they're taking the phone line and just tapping into the phone line. And their argument is that they're not violating the unlawful search and seizure. They didn't get a warrant. They just did it. And they said, yeah, we're not. Uh, The Fourth Amendment states that people have the right to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. We didn't violate any of those. And and it was upheld that, yeah, they didn't need to get a warrant because they weren't violating any of the things that the Fourth Amendment said that they couldn't violate. They didn't trespass. They didn't do anything aside from tap into the phone lines out on the street level. So it was upheld that they were allowed to uh, wiretap. And then... There was another case in 1967, which was very similar, and it was Katz versus the United States. And that one, this guy, his name was Charles Katz. He was like a, a sports better is what he was. He would give the sports betters what the college basketball lines should be. So he, he knew a lot about college basketball, and in the court they called him probably the preeminent college basketball handicapper in America. So he would call up these bookies and tell them what they should set their odds at. So he was doing all of this from a phone booth in L.A., and what they did was they tapped from outside the phone booth. They put a listening device so that they could hear him inside. So they didn't go inside the phone booth, and they didn't get a warrant, and they, they went Right, through. because if someone had been standing next to the phone booth, they'd have heard him. Listening. Well, it was one of the old-fashioned ones. So it has the, the door, the doors, so you're enclosed. And so what they, this one. It's still they, just a, a, a sheet of thin glass. Yeah, it's a sheet of if thin glass. If you hear anybody on their cell phone speakers in their cars these days, you can hear every word of everyone's conversation. But in this one, they upheld that they viol- They needed to get a warrant. They said, you don't have, because people have, this is where the expectation of privacy sort of came in, is he's clearly going into this, you know, booth for privacy. So he should have an expectation of privacy. And then they go on to say, the Fourth Amendment protects people, not places. So just because it specifically mentioned you know, like the the person, place, house. He said, yeah, this is, 
they didn't know the technology didn't exist at the time so they didn't include it but the idea behind it was that it was to protect people and not places so them by them listening in they are violating this person's uh, fourth amendment rights by even with the one sheet of glass even with the sheet of glass and i'd have been like no officer there was only one sheet of there glass there was one sheet of glass i could have heard this anyway <laughs> If I'd have stood there with my ear against the door, he probably wouldn't have talked. Yeah, so what they said was, you know, the, the question for decision is whether the search and seizure conducted in, you know, complied with constitutional standards. And then they said it bypasses the safeguards provided by an objective predetermination of probable cause and substitutes instead the far less reliable procedure of an after-the-event justification. So they're saying... You could listen to anybody and then come back and say, yeah, they violated the law. You need to prove that you should be, you know, that you should have the right to do this. And and they even went on to say, you could have. You had, you just chose not to. You could have mm -hmm. got a warrant. You chose not to. So you bypassed, you know, the predetermination and it leads the individuals at the mercy of, the, the police is what it says, at the discretion of the police. So I thought that was interesting that in both the Plessy versus Ferguson to Brown versus Board of Education, there was a change in court opinion without a change in law. And in this one, the Olmstead versus United States and then Katz versus United States, there was a change in court opinion without a change in law. Like nothing, none of the Constitution or the laws had changed, but the court decisions changed. And shifted the whole precedent. And shifted and set precedents. But that one's one that I kind of, like I have a big thing, you know, the right to privacy as I, like, I really feel like, especially nowadays, everything, you know, they know everything that you're doing. They can track everything. And part of me thinks, you know, you, you've gone well past the meaning of what was in the Constitution. And Where is privacy in the Constitution? Privacy is not in the Constitution, but if you go back, they don't mention it, but they unlawful search and seizure, and uh, I can't remember what the other one was where they're saying you don't have to house government officials in your you know, your house. Uh, they're saying, look, that the technology didn't soldiers. exist at the time for them to know some of this stuff. They didn't know that the government could essentially go look through all your photographs and all your things, you know, without having to go into your house. And they also have precedents about mail, like the government couldn't, can't open up your mail, which they've done, but... If they have a warrant, they can. Yeah. So it, they're saying, look... If they have a warrant, they can do almost anything. They can do anything. <laughs> like, really, that is the thing. If you uh -huh. have a warrant... And I think that's the argument is, yeah, then if you have a justification, if you have a warrant, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. If you don't, what are you doing doing this? Yeah, so they're saying you have to have a reason, and you have to have that reason be official. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and then it has to go through a judge or whatever to say, yeah, that's a valid reason, and you have just cause or whatever. So, yeah, those are the ones that I kind of wanted to talk about with the kind of the, the right to privacy sort of uh, rulings. Well, I picked my second one as actually my first one. So when I came at this, I was like, oh, what cases are out there now? 
And then I kind of, it kind of led me to the other case. But um, right now, the court, Supreme Court, has just heard on Student for Fair Admissions versus Harvard and Students for Fair Admission versus North Carolina. And to be honest, I don't know which one I listened to. (laughs) (laughs) So I turned on the YouTube, and you just have the audio. You can't see anything. And I was listening to it while I was looking up other stuff. So they're essentially the same, but the details are a little bit different. And what it is, is it's uh, a lawsuit using race as an affirmative action measure and saying that that's discrimination and a violation of the Equal Protection Clause in the Constitution. What is fascinating about this is not only are there two cases uh, brought by the same people, but there have been other cases, and this is what rabbit hole I went down, which led me to that first case that I talked about. Um, but they, the justice that they are basing this information on is from a previous court case in which Thomas, I mean, Clarence Thomas, an African-American or black, however anyone likes it to be said, justice on the Supreme Court gave a dissenting argument in another case that was brought before in which he was very against having any kind of racial determination but it did pass it had passed and it was actually a case brought by the same man his name is edward bloom and he is an anti-affirmative action activist and he has brought eight cases before the supreme court but they have been for various things um he is the sole member of Project on Fair Representation that he founded in 2005. I just am like, that's so fun. Like, I just am like, I want to do that. I don't know what my thing is going to be, but I'm like, I am the sole member of people are super awesome. You don't tell they... to people like that. You say, I am the president yeah. of an organization called. And I get 100% of everyone in this group on my side. That's right. <laughs> Uh, So, uh, in the 1990s, he'd been running for Texas Congress. This is background. And he and his wife had knocked doors, and they noticed that there were district lines had been drawn along race lines. And they were conservative, and they had been put in areas in which were minority, and the minorities voted liberal. So, he lost, and he's mad. So, he brings his court case against the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, agreed with him. He's like, oh, you can't gerrymander to, to make your place win. So it's a gerrymandering case in that, in that case. So, so this fuels this guy, and he's like, well, then I, I feel very confident bringing many cases to the Supreme Court. Um, but he brought one, the universe, so he, there were two cases, Gretter v. Bollinger and Regents of University of California v. Bach. And those are two strict scrutiny cases. And he uses them. Strict scrutiny is when you have um, the government is, has to be, oh, how do you explain this? They have to be really particular in making sure that they are not violating 
something. It's kind of like a really high level of making sure they're not doing it. Um, and so <laughs> when I'm listening to this case, one of those two cases, it is students who had the first, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place because he, I'm trying to say eight things at once. So there, the other, another case that he helped bring was Fisher, a Fisher case where he is against a university and a, a woman didn't get in to the university she wanted and she blamed race for being a reason because she had all the qualifications, but she didn't make it in because she assumed that somebody yeah. of, a, of a different race made it in. But that was lost. So the courts upheld the decision that it was okay for the, the um, schools to use race as a deciding factor, but then they also said that they needed to sort of stop using it over time that it's okay to use it as a compensation for a while, but they needed to kind of lessen it as time went on. And this is where Thomas wrote his um, statement. Because the first time that Fisher came, it was remanded back to the appellate court. And then they lost again, so they brought it back to the Supreme Court. (laughs) And so seven, one, one justice had recused herself but seven of them agreed that this should be retried in the appellate court. So when it came back, they lost by a, a very close margin. So anyway, so I'm listening to the case now, and it's essentially on whether or not it's, you know, fair to use race to get into these two universities. And it was just fascinating because there is no ruling on this case at this point this the ruling's not coming out for a while a couple months they have to listen to it and then they go back and they research and then they write their opinions and <laughs> the listening to these these justices this is where Clarence Thomas was like being so nice and he's like he, prodding the person he was he's like do you mean this like is it and I just thought these people who who just live immersed for decades are probably looking at this unqualified lawyer thinking oh my gosh you're like a kindergartner do do you mean that do you mean this and and the ones who are against it are like eating him alive like it was just so funny because I was looking up you know the way that the the current court leans um and it does lean conservative right now it's actually not it's fairly heavily conservative but Katanji Brown is not on the list at this point but the the liberal judges were like oh so you mean this and this and that it was so interesting and I just felt so bad for the lawyer because you have to prep yourself in a very particular way and all you do is an opening statement and then they ask you questions and you just answer the questions the rest of the time. It's not like you call witnesses because that yeah. time's passed. So it, it's just 
you bring your, they have already read your entire case. They're just asking for clarification points and they want you to say if they're on your side or against you particular things so that they can respond in particular ways. Because if you don't bring it up as the lawyer, they don't get to respond about it. And so <laughs> it's just What, really what I read is that they, um, each side has 30 minutes. So yes. the, um, they, they don't call them like the plaintiff. It, it's the petitioner and the respondent, mm -hmm. I think is what it is. So the petitioner side has 30 minutes and then the respondent side has 30 yeah. minutes. And for their oral arguments, they make their oral arguments and then like you said they kind of go home and wait because mm -hmm. they don't decide on things you know they have to do a lot of research a lot when because you, read you have what to the, make sure read, they go through and they're like in this case and in this case mm -hmm. and this seems a lot like this case and so because it's all based on these you know precedents and you know whatever else because there's so many weird complexities and weird things oh and it gets weirder up. and weirder and weirder and so, as time goes on because there's so many yeah so there's so much that they've got to go through so they listen you've got 30 minutes and when you to get to that point you're you submit your uh you have like a 50 page it's not an application but essentially you got 50 pages to make your argument on paper and then they'll decide all right We'll, we'll listen to you because apparently petition. they mm -hmm. get 70,000 or not 7,000 7, requests a year. The Supreme Court does. And they only listen to like 100 to 150 of these cases a year. And that's why it's really fascinating that this one group has two cases this year. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both essentially the same kind of case. And I'm surprised they didn't roll them up because in the Brown versus Board of Education, they actually rolled like five cases into one. So they may called, have. Like, that Brown might be why Board I didn't know who they were talking about. But they, uh, there was like one in like Delaware, and the but and one, they they just said, "All right, we're deciding all of these. These are all pretty much the same thing. We're going to decide them all under this one roof." And that and and they might have because in some of the documents that I read, it referred to two cases, and then some it referred to one. So they definitely might have done that, and that. But by the time you're at the Supreme Court, they're not asking you for particular details anymore. Yeah. Well, that's not true. They, they are. They're just not asking theory, about they know background the details, information. Like they, mm -hmm. So they essentially, the way that I understand it is it, to get to the Supreme Court outside of a very few special circumstances, it has to go through other courts. Yes. And so what they do is they say, let me see what the other courts, you know, let me see all the info from. You have to work your way up. Yeah. So All they the should have every piece mm -hmm. of evidence, every argument, every whatever that was made through these courts. And and then, you know, they so they have a lot of information when mm -hmm. they first hear these. Aside from the special cases that are, I think, covered in like the Judiciary Act of whatever. Yeah, there are definitely special cases in which it just goes straight to the yeah. Supreme Court. I think, uh, wasn't the election of Bush, is that one? I think that might have been one. Uh -huh. I, don't I think know. That, that went straight to the Supreme Court. Yeah, there are a few. And, there are and a it few. specifies, like, this is when, in matters of XXX, yes. like, this should go right to the Supreme Court. The rest of them are supposed to go through the, the lower courts first. Yes. And then the if there's contention, you know, then you can appeal and say, hey, Supreme Court, I think these guys got it wrong. 
And, and what was, I thought was interesting is I started looking at a bunch of, like, newer cases. I didn't realize what was going on. I was looking at some of these cases, and I'd see, like, where's the judge's ruling? And, and it was really just them saying, now nah, we're not looking at this. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't find any rulings on any of these new cases. But, well, they haven't made any yet. Yeah, but most of them, they just said, we're not even looking at it. So right. the ones that I was looking at, I just found a site that showed the latest things that the Supreme Court Justice had looked at and, and they you know, ruled on. But really, the ruling was, we're not looking at this. Yes, and that, and that means it remands back to the previous yeah. ruling. So whatever the previous ruling was is the official ruling. And, and I think so- that makes a lot of sense in most cases is unless there really is a legitimate, you know, something is wrong and not constitutional, you should be letting these yes, know, but I, lower cases or courts handle it. I don't think it's a ju- like a double jeopardy situation where you can't come back again and try. So if yeah, they say, the hey, I'm not going to look at this, I think you can still petition them again the, the next year. I think that they're likely to not look at it again, but it's not like because they're, they didn't give an official ruling except they're not going to look at it, I think they still allow you to because sometimes it, it could be because I was reading one and it was it, it seemed like it was for different things because what I read it was it was Clarence Thomas again but it was some guy who was on death row saying yeah you know hey they didn't let me talk about this and they didn't let me talk about this and and somebody else had written like a dissent because they said yeah we're not going to listen to this and Clarence Thomas made a response to the dissent essentially saying look, this is like the fourth time this guy's tried to come here. And you know, doesn't seem like he's got a leg to stand on, essentially, is what he's saying. It, it just seems like he's kind of abusing the system and coming up with these really obscure things. Because the ones that I was seeing were really obscure, and yeah. I'm not, I would have been surprised if they would have picked them up. One of them had something to do with, like, Texas had a rule that you can appeal something within like two years and they're like okay well when does the appeal you know when does that time start does it is it right after the court yes. date is it right mm-hmm. when it and I just think yeah a lot of that stuff is kind of silly it, you know it, it's probably important to that one guy mm-hmm. but to the rest of the you know, planet that's not really an important ruling it's kind of interesting as you go back in a lot of this because you know, a lot of this has shaped the way that we operate now. And so sometimes you're like, why do we even need to know that? Yeah. But it was because they had to make the rule in the first place. Like even even reading your rights, the Miranda yeah, rights. Miranda case, rights. That, where, one, that was a Supreme Court mm-hmm. decision. Yep. And there's a lot of them like that. Like there was one that I was going to talk about. There is a case called Terry versus Ohio. And it's there's something that the police do called a Terry frisk, mm-hmm. where if you're suspected of a crime, they can essentially frisk you and and search you. So the ruling, the Terry versus Ohio, this guy was like casing this like bank, and they had seen him out there casing this bank. The bank, you know, gets robbed. Then they come across this guy that they'd seen casing, you know, the bank, and they're like, "All right, we're going to search you," sort of thing. I don't even remember if it was a bank, but the, that was the idea. Is they had seen this guy. So they say, all right, we want to search you. And he's like, well, you don't have the right to search me. Like, we know you did this. So then it said, yeah, if you are if you have a reasonable suspicion that this person is about to commit a crime or 
has committed a crime, mm -hmm. you can search people. And and the weird thing is, is some of that stuff then the the interpretation of that changes because oh. then you start, you know, I, I'm sure that the police train that is like, okay, if you can say that you suspect somebody of committing a crime. Well, that's why you see on the television all the time. You're like, do you hear screaming? I hear screaming. Yep. Kick down the door. <laughs> Nobody's screaming. Yep. And that, that's the exact sort of uh, thing that, you know, you can make rulings on these cases, but then everything's kind of, there's all sorts of interpretations and things that you can do that still, I don't know, kind of would violate what you think is constitutionally right. But, there's just a lot of weird stuff like that. Yeah. And and it just keeps lacing through. Yeah. Well, one of the concepts that they brought up with that first, the Marbury versus Madison, was just this idea of, you know, we're either ruled by law or ruled by man. So you either try and follow the Constitution or you just let the judge just say, this is what I think. Mm -hmm. And so try and do a, you know, their best to let's be ruled by law rather than just, you know, the whims of the judge. And, it's and I fascinating, think that's a too. good system. If you, if you look now and you see the division that's occurring in different parts of the country and you see the laws that go in different parts of the country and it is kind of fascinating, you know, if it had been, because I do think it's kind of going towards the whims of man right now. Um, yeah. But in a lot of places, just how divisive that is for the country, but even more so if it had been, like, what people did, I think. Well, the problem with, like, the whims of man is they change. Yeah. So the, the next man in has, has different whims. And I, 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 I'm all for the... Let's do our best to, even though it then makes it so that you're trying to interpret, you know, things in different ways. I think it's still better than, unless, unless you got, you know, Solomon the Wise as your judge <laughs> or whatever. Everyone's passing out that. swords. All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up? No. Well, just one more thing. And, and right now we have in our Supreme Court justices set. We have four women and five men, and it's just become, I don't know, it used to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and then and then there were two, and now there are four. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it sucks, because like, uh, this always makes me look like I'm a mean, but the Katanji Oh, like don't even one, get me started on Katanji Brown Jackson. That one to me, that one made me mad. <laughs> Well, and I don't even have, I don't even know much about her personally. The one thing I watched, that really makes me I mad was the, thing. you know, when she wouldn't define what a woman is, I just think, like, that's ridiculous. Like, that, to me, either you're not, you don't have the capability to adjudicate anything, mm -hmm. or you're just kind of cowardly, and you don't want to, and I think you can't have that in the Supreme not Court a, Not justice. as a justice. Like, that is, that is not the level you need to have somebody who's willing to say whatever like you yeah. can't worry about hurting people's feelings you have to be able to just follow the law wherever yeah. it goes and you have to know the law this is why i have a hard time with her is because i i watched um 
Sonia Sotomayor's, uh, I, I forget what it's called now, when, they, when they're when they questioning them before they become a justice. And, and I watched um, Amy Coney Barrett, and hers was so impressive. Just watching her sit there and answer questions and just no problem whatsoever. It's just spewing out of her mouth. She's not even, like there was one time where the guy was like, uh, can you show us what notes you're taking? And she's just holding up an empty notebook. She's just got it there just in case she needs to write something down. She didn't use it. She didn't need it. She was just very, very smart and very clear. And and then you watched Katanji Brown, and I thought and she wouldn't answer any questions. She It was like she didn't know a lot of the stuff, and I thought, you have to know your stuff. Like, if you're going to be in this position, you have to know that's your stuff. That's why you're supposed to be going through the process. Yeah. I, so that they can determine. And, and that's what I, was so disappointing to me on that is because I didn't watch the whole thing. I only saw a couple. And the big one, you know, can you define what a woman is sort of thing? And she's like, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a biologist or whatever she said. Yes. And, and I just thought that should have been like a deal breaker. Yes. Like. I, I would have thought, but instead, it was literally that partisan. Yes. All right. The, whoever's on her side of the partisan aisle is like, that was the best. She's the best, whatever. And everybody and on the other side is like, really? Like, I Well, even if you take those kinds of things out, she didn't know her laws. She didn't know it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, cause I, I remember saying to someone, I hope she has the capacity to do really well at this because you know some people need to like get their feet under them and stuff like that i just don't think that should be your starting point as a supreme court justice right the supreme court justice Mm-mm. is you should have already gotten your feet under you, you know, yes like that th- you should be picking the best of the best the best of the which, best which i understand everybody's yes. got an opinion of what the best of the best is and it can be different i am pro having different people on the supreme court as yeah. in like i'm pro having different ideologies because I absolutely think that's the whole point, and I think you should, you know, have these discussions and find this place that fits somewhere in the middle. But you have to know your stuff, or you're just going to mess up the whole system. <laughs> I didn't watch Ilana Kagan's. I don't, I don't know anything about her, but I did, I did watch uh, Kavanaugh. Did you watch Kavanaugh's at all? I only watched the the show, you know, mm. the circus portion or whatever that I actually was not super impressed by him either. I don't know because the only stuff I saw I just thought like what what's what's the appropriate response? Like I felt like he was just being attacked. He was. For for he stuff was, that he number was... 1, I don't know if he did. Number 2, like he was what, like 19 years old or something? Well, that yeah. they didn't bring that up that's so the much. only part that I really saw was the whole thing about uh, and they did talk about that a lot and I actually was in Washington D.C. when they were having the um, <laughs> can't not use the, the word, word riot when they were... the protests oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting at the Supreme Court building and while they're ranting and raving below and it was you know and, and I that's to me, even separate of that, he didn't have a very impressive hearing, and so yeah, and I, I, I could have gone either way. Portion, because for the mm-hmm. most part, like the the truth is, I don't care that much. I want good people there. Yes. I want whatever. And 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 I think that you need to have a mindset that you are 
just like it said in Marbury versus Madison, where you have a responsibility to the country and yeah. you better have the moral compass to do that. That's another thing that worried me about Katanji Brown is I don't think her focus is on the betterment of the country. It really just seemed like agendas maybe. And I know that comes from my slighted um, viewpoint, but I felt like, you know, she was happy and honored to be there and to be picked. She was going to slam down some walls and kick some butt instead of focusing on we have a country and our country needs a solid judicial Supreme Court. And I just, it didn't seem like that was even on her radar. No, but hopefully I, it th- becomes so. That cause... stuff bothers me because uh, to me, like the agenda, when they talked about in the Federalist Papers about this, the whole idea was to get them separated. I mean, that's why they don't want them running for election. That's why yep. they don't want, is so that they don't have to, you know, pander, pander to people, to they can follow, mm-hmm. you know, their, their conscience and they can follow the Constitution, which is what they're supposed to, you know, that's yeah. the oath. Ginsburg was incredibly, and Scalia, they were opposite sides, like we talked about, and they were, they were very partisan, and, but I still felt like they still, even in their differences, differences, were still fighting for our country. Like, I felt like they were still understanding the end game. And Katanji's going to have to prove a lot to me before I believe that's where her head is. Uh, I think it's going to be, especially listening to her answer, like, ask the questions during that case. I was like, I, there was a lot of attitude in there. And I thought, you can't have attitude. You're a Supreme Court justice. You can't, you can't talk like you're scolding a, a little kid like you I don't know I just had it to me I have impressive. a big issue with with this all right let's we're, we're only going to open up this position to a black female like, I, well, I don't even understand how, number one how people could get behind that how no. that's not a violation of our equal know, protection our clause uh-huh <laughs> But but in the but even if you do that, pick the qualified one. Right. Because they had like eight of them they were picking out of, and there were two that did say things that were sounded like they were intelligent, sounded like they were, you know, capable of of knowing their stuff. Like and and so they shouldn't ever make the decision based on that. But if they do, they should have picked the ones that knew their stuff and they didn't. Yeah. They picked based on pure politics and not even not even the kind where you want your side to win but only you want your the other people to lose and that shouldn't be that shouldn't even be how you approach it it's like someone can we zombify gator ruth bader ginsburg let's bring her back bring her back <laughs> she she is a better she is a high quality lady uh it's just who knows yeah, it's we'll see. World. And I haven't really been paying attention to like how the justices are doing and when the you know the next seat will potentially be up. There, <laughs> We've got some. I think Thomas is the oldest. Thomas now. is pretty old. Uh huh. And I, it's I think Roberts is looking way old. I think they're the two oldest. Yeah. Another issue that I kind of have too is that both sides start to um, intentionally go after younger people so that they can have people in for longer 
Yes. Like that was something I think Trump bragged about. That was something I think Biden bragged about. Well, that's, I think, what they did with, with Barrett is I think she's pretty young. But I think <laughs> Katanji, I think Katanji's pretty young. Yeah, I, that was something they were bragging about is like, look, you know, we'll have 30, 40 years of, of this person in the Supreme Court because I picked somebody young. I'm so tired of If they were qualified, you should be proud of that. If they are a genius and they are capable of doing that, I don't think you should be proud of that anyway. They needed somebody with more experience. They needed somebody with more experience. And they didn't pick someone with more experience. Because as unfortunate as it is, you gain wisdom as time goes on. Because you gain experience as time goes on. And you can tell that that is severely lacking. In Katanji Brown Jackson. And, you know, I'm even like, hey, pick her in 15, 30 years. Like, pick her later when she has more experience. But this, she doesn't. You shouldn't have picked her. And when it becomes more about picking someone instead of picking someone good, I I have a problem. Yeah, this is I, my I, country. I, I care fact, about it. Part of me wants to have some sort of limit on how long they can serve just so that See, people Quit playing forced retirement at 75 something along those lines because <laughs> oh, oh, i think one of the things that was floated in one of the was like a 16 years like okay you get 16 years and then you're off sort of thing and i, I think that i'd be okay with putting some sort of limits because then you get rid of that aspect of the game where they're like well let's just pick somebody young regardless of qualifications well, it's a then stupid we get 40 game years. to play as in like it's a terrible tactic yeah. It's a terrible tactic to pick someone unqualified to be your representative for 40 years. It, all you it does mess is it, yourself up. The both sides start playing the same games, yeah. and I just think it's so dumb. Uh, it is dumb. This is this is this shouldn't be as political as it is. And that, I know there's no way to take it out, but there's. It's just but silly. In particular, with the Supreme Court is. By design, supposed to, they're not supposed to be political players. Yeah. And, and this was uh, another thing. Because the truth is, if Clarence Thomas came up in front of everybody and spoke just his beliefs on things and take nothing else into account, they'd be like, oh, he's too conservative. You know, like they would, he'll never get through. And and yet they let Katanji in, and she is very so obviously. I bet so Sonia Sotomayor is the one who is the most liberal at this point. I bet I would be very surprised if Katanji isn't more so. And the only thing I would think would make her hesitate is that she's inexperienced because she wouldn't maybe speak her mind in the way. But ugh, just. I, I mean, I don't even dislike Sonia Sotomayor, and she's the most liberal. She's just qualified, yeah, and she's The only thing that I capable. recall with her, like, when I was looking at these recent cases where most of the time they're just like, yeah, we're not going to take that. A lot of them were, like, death row people. Like, yes. it seemed like regardless of what the facts were, she was anybody on death row, like, she wanted to say. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily blame her. I, I'm, I don't have a problem with, like, the... The death penalty, it's not, it's one of those things that I do think, you know, number one, you want to be certain, but that should be true whether you're sending somebody to prison for life or whatever, and you should only do it for the extreme cases. Yes. It shouldn't be, you know, like if somebody, uh, 
I know, just you because can't somebody think kills one. somebody <laughs> yes. isn't enough to me. Like if, if you get mad and you have, you know, an outrage and an incident, yeah, send them to prison. But if you're planning murders and you continually, I, I just think mm-hmm. there's no point in putting that person back out into society. You're never going to feel like you're safe. Mm-hmm. You're never going to feel like there's a possibility that this person who, you know, planned 14 crazy murders is reformed and you want them as your neighbor. It just yeah. won't happen. I, and in those cases, I think it it's fine. I I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against the death penalty. Um, I think sometimes people do things that are so severe that they just don't deserve to be here anymore. I will openly say that I'm okay with that, but I don't think that happens often. I think yeah, it is I a very it's rare, rare situation. And what's funny is, you know, you can have someone committing a crime, and they can you can shoot them, and that's okay. But for some reason, people are really upset when someone's committed heinous, horrible crimes, and then they have to die for that. I, I can't wrap my head around all of these little, <laughs> all of these things, but, but I'm okay that people think different ways on that too, but I don't know. I just am tired of the wokeness. I think I'm burnt <laughs> out of wokeness. I think I'm, I think that there's enough examples in our country that show that the, that these decisions have made detrimental impacts on many many a city and many many a state and so to hire someone because they think that way i'm like oh (laughs) i don't know it's tough for me it's tough for me to think that they pull in people that have an agenda yes because again like i'm the i think that the rule by law makes more sense than the rule by man if Mm -hmm. you're going to bring somebody in you if, if you think that that's okay, that you put somebody in with an agenda, then by my logic, you have to think it's okay if the other side does it. Yeah, and, and I'm not do. okay like, with either way. They always yell. Like, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm okay with, like, the constitutionalist sort of attitude is what does the Constitution say? What does the law say? What does, let's do our best, even though you can always have some level of interpretation on there, which is what the court exists for. Yeah. You know, there's there's arguments to be made, you know, in a lot of cases, but that should be what you're basing that off. Mm-hmm. And they've done that in the past, and they've gone and said, you know, if you want this changed, if you don't want it to be this way, go to Congress. Congress should pass something. So yes. if you don't mm-hmm. go to the courts and have us decide, go to Congress and have Congress pass something, and then we'll follow what they say unless they're violating the Constitution. And Congress is who put this together. <laughs> I don't know because I also I also don't want like a massive like oh we got new power and now we're going to now we're going to change the rules and we're going to take out Katanji Brown. Like to me I'm yeah. like Katanji's in. That's the way I think. Let's too. she's like, in. That's the I role. hope she matures quickly. Let's not do this again. Like let's let's let her live and learn and hopefully she's, you know, gets those engines going and, and figures it all out quickly um but don't do this again let's just have people who are looking out for the betterment of the country instead of for a political agenda and i don't even mind that they're separate i just 
it was just so blatant this time. Too blatant. Well, yeah. The most blatant thing, the, the weirdest thing for me on that is how open they were. Is that, like, we're going to pick a black Oh, yeah. Lady. And I just thought, even if you thought that, to, to openly say it and to openly flout that you're going to violate, you know, the the ideas that well, everybody should have an equal chance. You know, we're equal mm-hmm. opportunity. That's the rule in the country. And the flout that, yeah, we're not going to follow that. You guys need to follow that. We don't need to follow that. Well, when when I was listening to the arguments for the, the affirmative action case, <laughs> and they're talking, and he's, I, I'm listening to the lawyer, and I'm like, oh, he's not that great. And I feel bad because I don't want to also bash him but he's not he's not great and and he's like well you don't use race when you pick people who are on a jury and you don't use race when you and I think oh (laughs) uh it's like that kindergarten thing that's why Clarence Thomas had to talk to him the way that he did (laughs) but it was I mean I've I've reached the point where because because one 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 good point that I think it was Katanji Brown did ask is she's like, well, then what would you have us do to make up for the fact that there's a bunch of kids that live in these schools that they don't get the proper resources that yeah. they're supposed to have? And he's like, well, we could do it based on um, if they come from a lower rated school. And she's like, that just opens another can of worms. Right. And it's but like, that, it's but true. But that's the problem. That, <laughs> like, you're, you're not solving a problem. You're solving a problem for a very so- small group of people is what you're mm-hmm. doing when you're saying, okay, we're going to let this small group of people in. But there are other people. This is what always makes me mad is I think if you had, say, like a white and a black kid that grew up in the same you know house, in the same neighborhood, went to the same schools, went to whatever, and, and you're like, well, we're going to favor this one because of his race mm-hmm. if you have to ask which race that is you're messed up you know yeah. like, whichever way it is if you're like oh it would be bad if you were favoring the race because he's white that would be bad but it's okay to favor the race if he's black that that seems pretty messed up to me like why is it okay that the poor white people don't get any help well and why are we solving it this way yeah obviously the issue is coming down you know Grass that, that's ta- what I brass tacks at the roots like, of things, and you can't you're downstream of the yeah, problem. Yeah, you're downstreaming the problem. There's obviously issues that need to happen. You know, it's really fascinating because I was watching this YouTube video where they're going through. Um, they're just showing the map of the streets of some some neighborhoods in Detroit, and it's like that's not okay. I don't know how you fix this, but this yeah. is the problem. The yep. problem is the drugs, the alcohol, the the lack of police, the lack of proper jobs, like those are the problems. It's not and, and that whether or not they can get, yeah. Then they can't get into college because and they're not ready because their because entire they neighborhood, had, they're all their structure that's yeah. supposed to bring them up isn't there. And it was so fascinating because there were so many racist things that were said. This is actually in the, um, the, the first case I was talking about. <laughs> With the internment camp. Oh, yeah. Where Scalia is just saying some stuff. And I'm like, ooh, Scalia. (laughs) No more talking. This is terrible. But he's like, he's essentially saying, you know, should we even have? (laughs) This is so bad. He's like, should we even allow them into these universities? Because, oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't it. I was going to say, that's not the internment camp. That wasn't it. That was the 
that was the previous uh... case that I talked about right at the beginning of the, (laughs) oh my gosh, where, and he's like, should we even allow these, these people into these universities? Cause these classes are going to be too hard for them. And, (laughs) and I was like, this proves the point that you're downstreaming the problem. This proves the point that the issue needs to happen somewhere earlier. And, and, and it shouldn't be based on race, though, to be honest, I don't know what you would base it on. So if you were to say to me, let's base it on need sort of thing. Yeah. Because this is one, there was a local, uh, Donovan Mitchell was yep. a, a jazz player, and he said, I'm going to... Touch my butt once. <laughs> on oh. accident. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a better story. Was, we were taking a picture. But it was a mistake. Sorry, Donovan, I didn't mean to say that. He, he said he was going to create a scholarship, but it was only, like, for black kids. And I thought, it, it makes me upset, but I think his heart is in the right oh, place. Oh, absolutely. His heart is totally right. Mm-hmm. He's trying to help out people who need help. And what I wish that people could do is say, I'm going to put a scholarship for people who need help. And mm-hmm. the truth is, mm-hmm. most of them are black. So most of the people who get my scholarship are going to be black, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to discriminate. So if there's Hispanic, white, you know, Asian, whatever, yeah. but it's the people, you know, the need, not the race, not the whatever. And I, I think until people can do that, until they can let go, I don't think it's going to get better. Well, I think it's getting worse. It is getting worse because, because there seems to be. it's the teach a man a fish, give a man a fish type thing that even if you're not religious, you kind of understand the concept of, if you teach a man to fish, you've taught him how to take care of himself. If you say, that's give not him even a, a religious thing at they all. They use it often. And it, it probably is. But, it, <laughs> but you're right. It's, it's not religious. It's a logical religious. thing. It's a logical thing. If you, give, if you teach a man to fish, you've, you've, you've set him up for life. If you give it to him, you've fed him for one meal. And I feel like even like with the drug stuff that is being, you know, when they're giving these drug addicts clean stuff so yeah. they don't pass around disease. And you're like, you're giving them... There, there's a part of me believe, that believes there's some malicious stuff behind some of that. But it's that so they're, the they're worst. People that are happy. Do you think it's China and they're coming in and they're like, you know what, let's ruin this whole coast over here so it's I mean, easier it could to be, invade. But like, like I'm not even, <laughs> in my head I just think people have to know you're not really helping. They them. don't though. No, they have taken I don't compassion. know if that's true. Like I know that some people don't. But the yeah. people who are pushing this, I, I feel like, Somebody has to know. Like they, they can't all just be like, "Oh yeah, this." It's be true. Good for I them. actually think of. <laughs> oh no, uh, the lady senator that looks like Isma from oh, Pelosi. Yeah. So I actually think Pelosi knows. I think Pelosi's in too deep now. I think Pelosi likes her life. I think Pelosi's okay. I think she enjoys fighting because I think. I actually think that I have a similar personality, but I definitely have two daughters that have that personality <laughs> where I think that there is, is an enjoyment in the fight. I think yeah. she knows. I so think she just doesn't care. one of the that I've heard with it is that a lot of the people in like Pelosi's sort of position is that they, they know, mm-hmm. but what they want to do is use the system. So they, they're mm-hmm. happy to use the racial whatever because it keeps them in power she's 900 years old when do you hit the point where you're like you know what actually i'm not even gonna fight this anymore because 
I'm 900. I don't need to be reelected. I really just want to do the right thing. I think she actually might be at the point when she wasn't speaker. She was like, okay, like I'm feeling a lot better now that Mm -hmm. I don't have to. Because I really do think there should be. Well, and her poor husband got attacked. Got attacked by some crazy. Horrible. Just just awful. I Which is another thing that seems to be happening a lot more is like attacks on. Mental health issues out the wazoo. Politician adjacent people. Because they were saying that with like the Supreme Court thing, like some one of the Supreme Court justices just said that, like that, uh, with with Roe v. Wade, the the Dobbs, you know, case that was they overturned mm-hmm. Roe v. Wade and it got leaked. Oh yeah. One of the justices said, "Pretty sure I know who did it, but not enough to to say anything. To, not enough to convict them, so I'm not going to say." But they did it because they were trying to essentially sabotage. Because Sonia's the most liberal. <laughs> and, it, and it put, you know, it, it put people's lives, like, we're, we're getting death threats and we're getting whatever. And, mm-hmm. and if it was Sonia, who's anti-death penalty, yeah. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be an interesting circle of events? And my honest thought is she probably wouldn't care. Like, not that she I do care. think people compartmentalize for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Is I think, well, it's worth it for the good fight. Yeah. This is I'm on the side of justice and so casualties might happen but but yeah, I, I really do think that the the violence and the whatever else has gotten out of control. It's gotten crazy. Like and <laughs> it makes me not I do laugh, but I don't think it's like cuz I think it's funny. I think it's cuz I'm feeling awkward. Um that I do think there's a whole lot of foreign issues going on, like, you know, how Russia... Foreign influences. Foreign influences, and so they, you know, have all of these things spit up, because we've done it in other countries, too. Oh, yeah. In fact, I just saw a headline today along the lines of, like, Mexico is, like, telling the United States, like, back off our elections. You guys are messing with our elections. Well, we have to because look at all these people who come into our country. We have to get somebody who will keep these people out of our country. Yeah. <laughs> not all of them, of course, just the illegal ones. Just the illegal ones. Just the illegal ones. Not, not all Which of them. Which is also one of the... Uh, I know. We have to, we have to caveat time, everything. But, uh, for we have to reason, cut out all I got two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the border thing recently, the, the White House is like, yeah, everything oh, fine at the, my gosh. At the border. And everybody yes. is like, what's her name? Kareen? Kareen? Kareen Jean Pierre. Oh, Kareen Jean Pierre. And she, the way that she answered that, and it's just like, how could this possibly come out of your mouth? <laughs> and then, and then one of the uh, reporters is like, oh, then how come we're sending this many yeah. armed they people down to troops. the border? If everything's good. Troops. I mean, Ugh. you got the mayor of New York saying Biden has failed us with immigration policies. He's pretty hard left. You got that's because all sorts... they sent up a couple buses. I know, and that's it. That's all it took. That's all it took for New York to crumble. <laughs> and, and I just, think, yeah, uh, I don't know. You go down there. Any of you that are listening that don't live in Arizona, New Mexico, and Southern California, you go down there and you just see what it is like there. It's actually very beautiful, and it has a lot of culture, and I actually appreciate it. 
<laughs> you'll enjoy the trip. It also is undeniable. Yeah. And so when you hit these cities where you have more illegal immigrants than you do actual citizens by almost double, that's a problem. It's I just, it, yeah. I mean, and if they left their little apartments and their little views of another apartment next door and they saw what it was really like down there they would it's just undeniable it's undeniable but again i honestly am to the point where i think everybody knows this i think the white house knows it i think everybody knows it and everybody everybody knows that the emperor's running around naked nobody will say anything but against their own party or agendas or whatever regardless of what the truth is i think it's one of those in my own backyard things where like i was in massachusetts when the bus came uh from texas i think it was when it came up and and hit in one of the like martha's vineyard yeah that one was i was i was watching the local we don't have the resources here at martha's vineyard with the richest people people. you could fit every single one of those 50 people inside one of those homes not the cottages but one of the big ones you know just take one of these big homes and and convert it aren't you guys willing to give up all your property we have any more space here we we already have as many servants as we need like where are we gonna put these people (laughs) no it's just it was it blew my mind because you have an entire city again with double the population of the actual city many of whom are are legal immigrants who are actual members of the city so i mean I mean, they speak the language, it's this, and they're still overrun and they still cannot figure out all of the logistics because that is insane numbers of people, yeah. insane amounts of people. If you had to throw a party right now for 4,000 people and they're like, you have to feed them, you have to make sure they have a toilet, you're, you're actually just putting on a gigantic concert and and they also need all these places to live you would cry yourself to bed trying to figure that out and then times that number by, by yeah. 10 by 20 like there's so many people i just think it's insane and to just to just sit there because if well, somebody to deny that, the, yes. that there's even the, that's the part that gets me Blows like me i mind. honestly feel like as far as like the the white house press sort of thing goes is if they walked out and just started flipping, yeah, screw you guys, we're not telling you, you <laughs> would feel get the, the same, same level of information. Like, um, I honestly feel like we're this close to them just walking out and saying, we don't have to talk to you guys at all. Just get well, and here. honestly, I kind of wish they would because it's really bananas just how crazy it, those those press conferences are. Because, there is some really funny stuff that happens. But that's the only thing. It yeah. shouldn't just be funny stuff. It shouldn't. And I've been, yeah, like I've said, I've watched those for a long time. I, it's never been as big a zoo as it is now. Um, and I think that they should have their next press conference in El Paso, Texas, <laughs> right next to the city of Juarez. And, and, and then they could be like, we, we're, we're here at the border. Because I promise all of those news organizations will send someone to sit there and ask questions right there. Fort Bliss, they could. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, because uh, yeah, but <sighs> I'm pretty sure that like the coverage still won't really be. They won't. They won't cover if they anything went that's there, detrimental. If they went there, it would be covered. 
because it would I'm, mean that I'm it was important to them. I'm not as convinced that. Uh, oh, that that's the media that's would international that news. That's huge. Because, uh, I, I honestly think they they have to kind of know. Like you can see videos, you can see. Oh yeah, like it's all out. Well, there. you heard Kareen when she was like, <laughs> when Peter's like, "What do you do about the you know thousands of people crossing the border every day?" Oh, Peter, they don't just walk across the border. <laughs> That's not how it's done. Uh, yeah, it is. Like that is what is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, because I. When you live where you where we live, you know people who have walked across the border. We I've spoken to people who have crossed the border. They just walk across the border. And it's honestly not a trek that I would want to make. It's terrifying. And oh, for sure. when it turns like, out badly, it turns out so badly sometimes. And because I think there are a lot of people who know how to bring people across. And I think there are a lot of people who just want the money. To bring people across and so they don't really know and they don't really care and they just abandon a lot of people if you if you look up property um at the at the border it's so cheap you can get huge tracts of land for so cheap because nobody wants that property because they find people on it all the time and people trespass and people break into homes because i imagine there's a pretty serious desperation and and what's funny is in America, you know, if you go by traditional American values, we want people who are hardcore, yeah. strong individuals. And, and that's a trek that proves you are a hardcore, strong individual. It's just not the proper way. And it's it's too many people and it's too much stuff. And it's it's a problem, a gigantic, huge problem that they just lie to our face and say isn't a problem. And, and that's the part that bothers me. Because mm-hmm. I get, like, there are tons of problems that people don't necessarily know how to deal with. And that would be mm-hmm. one of my things, is that's it's a tough huge. thing to deal with. It's because it, it's people, these people are trying to make a better life for themselves, for their family, for their kids. And they sacrifice and, so much to do so. They right. leave their homes, they leave their other family, they leave, how they you, take their kids on, yeah. a, on a freaking walk through 14 countries. Like, and how do you tell whoa. people not to try and make that better life and do whatever, like, you can't, it, it's a hard problem. Like, I don't even fault the people that are coming, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think they should. No, and, and, and some what of I honestly don't think know. is it's not, they're not really going to get that better life in a lot of cases. But. Oh, I, I think, I don't know. But I do think it is probably a surprise of what it really is like here. But I think it probably in many ways is better because I don't think they're leaving because life's okay. I think they're leaving because life is bad. Right. But I think that they're leaving thinking that they're kind of going to come to the United States and have a normal United States life. How did we get here from the Supreme Court? That, that's a good question because <laughs> we're also like way over time. We'll have to cut something out. Yeah. We well, should probably just wrap this up. And... <laughs> but I can talk about random stuff forever. It's one of those <laughs> blessings and curses that I have. <laughs> oh, anyway, that was an adventure. I guess those rabbit holes just happen <laughs> yeah, no matter uh, what. We went a little off target, and we're going to wrap it up now, but... Thanks for listening. Bye.